0: Hello out there in podcast land. This is Mr. Michael Ellis, husband, father, copywriter, consultant, martial artist, and your inspiration to assist you in getting through the global crisis as we see it and hear it today. Number one, I wanna thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for his grace and mercy upon not only myself, but upon others as well. What I'm about to share is something from my background. It is not meant to offend anyone, but only to inspire, educate, and empower you and others on how to make quality decisions. Looking back over my life as I grew up in the area of Brookside Avenue, slash Rockview Circle, which was up the hill, five minutes away from Southern Connecticut by car, 12 minutes from Yale University. I realized something, that even though I was involved with drinking, smoking, reefer, there was an element in the neighborhood that I saw But I did not know the real impact of it until years later after I'd gotten married and actually left the Brookside area. And here's what it was. It was the heavy use, and I hate to say this because I love my Brookside and Rockview folks. They're my people. I grew up with them. But it was the epidemic of heroin use. I could remember when I was on Asylum Street about seven years old and my mother would often tell me when you go outside if anybody runs towards you and tries to hand you a brown paper bag don't take it. Now those you that are not familiar with New Haven, Asylum Street is close to Congress Avenue. It used to be called the Congo because of all the wild things that would take place there. And she kept telling me over and over, when you go outside, if somebody hands you a paper bag, if they're running from the police, they try to hand you a package, don't take it. So I finally got up the nerve to ask my mother, what are you talking about? I'm young, I don't understand. She said, I'm talking about drugs. There's a lot of heroin over here. Now that was in the Congress Avenue area, which was known for that, even back in the 60s and 70s, and even up until today, similar to Hartford's problem. Back to Brookside, as I believe maybe 10 years old, I'm in my bedroom going through my brother's pockets in the bedroom, trying to find some money, you know, just being young. And I feel this glass bottle And then I feel a piece of rubber and I pull it out, and lo and behold, it is a needle with some heroin inside of a glass container. I'm looking at this freaking out because my brother was very, very quiet, kept basically to himself around a few guys, and I never seen those guys nodding, never seen my brother nod, My brother was an A student, went to college, Blair College in New Blair, New Jersey, pulled out of it for whatever reason. But he was always quiet, played a little basketball, played the guitar, played the trumpet, you know, basically at one point stayed around the house. Then he got his car and got a job, Pratt Whitney. So I'm looking at this container and this needle, and I put it back and I'm in shock. That was my first realization that what I was warned about on Asylum Street in the Congress Avenue area was actually functioning in my own home, heroin use, my brother, older brother. I still love him, he's still alive, and he's off of that, he's saved, loves God, And that's a good thing. He's changed his life around. It's not to put him or anyone down. It's just facing the facts and, as they say, keeping it real. Sometimes it's good to go back and look at the grace that God has blessed you with. Now, after that, I was so shocked, I didn't even tell my mother or father about it. Again, I was so shocked at that age that I did not tell my mother, didn't tell my father, didn't even tell my sister, because it shocked me that much. Then as I started to go outside to play and grew up in my teen years, of course, I got involved with marijuana smoking and wine drinking about the age of 12 and 13. through various people. And I noticed a lot of the guys in the neighborhood did smoke weed, like myself. You know, wasn't a big deal back then. But then I started noticing other gentlemen nodding and acting certain ways. And I go back to Asylum Street with one incident where a gentleman by the name of Pancho will come to my aunt's door, knock on the door, and I would open it, and he would say, It's Edie Home. But while he was asking if Edie was home, he was scratching his genitals, and he did it all the time. I'm seven years old, eight years old. I didn't understand that, so I asked my mother, what's going on with Poncho? He's always scratching. She said, "Poncho is on heroin. Whoa, all kinds of folks around Congress Avenue. I'm warned, first of all, about heroin. Then a heroin addict comes to the door, wants to see my aunt, then another gentleman by the name of Shaky, I'll never forget him, kind of tall, light-skinned guy, kind of heavy set, bulky. He would always shake when he came to the door. So I asked my mother, what's his problem? She would tell me he's an alcoholic. And anybody that knows anything about alcoholism, if you person gets it too bad, they don't eat, they don't sleep right, they get the shakes. Then there was a, a woman named Ruthie who would sit in my aunt's house and she would be hugging something and they will try to get this item away from her. What was she hugging? A bottle of hard liquor. So there you have it. What I experienced on Congress Avenue was in my home through my brother, who I love still today, still alive, still doing okay, off of drugs, thank God. It was in my neighborhood in Brookside and Rockview as well. As I got older, I started noticing different guys scratching, some nodding and you know, breaking in people's houses to get that fix. is not a put down. However, I see the grace of God in this area. I was always afraid of needles. No one in the neighborhood ever offered me a fix and I thank God for that. The only time someone came close to offering me something like heroin was in pill form and it was an opiate and they came to me. I was in Rockview. I still remember the day and the guy came to me. I know his name, but I'll leave his, leave him nameless. I still love him. He said, hey Mike. hey Mike, I got these pills, man. It's just like knock. It's just like knock. Like and I said, man, I don't do that. All I do is weed. All I do is reefer kind of fussed at him. He's okay, Mike, no problem. No problem. You know, and he walked away. That was the only time now. All of the guys in the neighborhood called my brother Big Ellis and called me Little Ellis. Many of the guys that were calling me Little Ellis and my brother Big Ellis were hanging around my brother out of my mother and our sight, as teenagers do, and getting high off of heroin. I seen one on Congress Avenue and I was there looking for a friend of mine, trying to get some reefer at that point in my life. And he asked me, was I looking for my brother? That shocked me because I figured my brother don't hang around here. That's when I found out there was a greater connection to the heroin thing than I realized. And my point is the grace of God kept those older gentlemen, From even offering me any. As a matter of fact, I don't think they offered any of the young people heroin. There was a young lady in my unit, Hunt 100 unit. She was strung out on heroin, lost just about all of her teeth were rotten. Her older brother was on heroin. Now that young lady is saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and has a professional therapy office for marriages and individuals. She's doing very well, so God bless her on that. Years later, I got saved at the age of 18 and have been born again ever since. Everything has not been peaches and creams. However, I thank God that he did not allow those involved with heroin use, and it was heavy, and I'll tell you why, to offer me any. Only one gentleman offered in pill form, and I turned it down. He never offered it to me again. He had enough respect for me not to come that way towards me again. So on yesterday, I'm thinking about the grace of God, how he protected me from all of this. And I'm counting in less than five minutes the amount of gentlemen in Brookside and Rockview and a few from Oriental Gardens that were actually hooked on heroin. Either they snorted it or shot it. At that time, people weren't smoking it. Asians smoke it, but they were snorting it or shooting it or both. I counted 31 young brothers. That's right. 31 young brothers between Rockview and Brookside who were hooked on heroin. This is back in the 70s. I'm 10, 13, 12, you know, in that age range. So these guys are about 16, 15, maybe 18, 19, very young. Very few of them were working a job. Very few of them were furthering their education. I'm comparing the grace of God, how he protected me from that temptation and the pressure. There were several young men my age that got around the older gentleman, either through a brother or a cousin, who actually OD'd on that drug. One in particular, I can remember he got sick, ended up in Yale New Haven Hospital. Now, those of you not familiar with the New Haven area, Yale Hospital is right a stone's throw from Congress Avenue. This young man actually snuck out of the hospital to get a fix. He was already sickly. When he snuck out of the hospital to get that fixed, he never returned to the hospital alive because he OD'd. One of his brothers OD'd uh, later, and one of his brothers is still doing heroin, probably snorting it. So I thank God for protecting myself. My sister never tried it. Uh, And I'm glad that my brother gave his heart to God many, many years ago and has been off of that demonic drug ever since. So I was just thinking about God's grace, how he protected me from these instances. And I can recall one negative instance. Uh, My mother used to close the kitchen door when my aunt came over and they would be drinking and you know, just chit-chatting as women. So I came in the house one day. I believe I was hungry, wanted something to eat. Kitchen door was closed. I'm figuring it's my mother. And I'm about maybe 10 or 11 at this time. So I push open the kitchen door and there's one of the brothers from the neighborhood waiting for my, my brother's upstairs. He's waiting on my brother. But while he's waiting, he has his arm over the sink with a rubber strap across his arm and a needle in his mouth, shooting up heroin in my mother's kitchen. I had a fit. I said, man, what you doing? I'm getting it booted, I'm getting it booted. And he was talking like I was supposed to understand and that it was okay. I let him, that ain't okay, brother. You can't be doing that up in here. This ain't no shooting gallery. I'm waiting on your brother, man. I'm trying to get up. Crazy stuff. So that's why I thank God today for his grace. That's another reason why I stay focused on my skills in copywriting and in consulting and strategy. It's another reason why I value where I'm at, where I'm trying to go and activating how to get to my goals. That's another reason why I surround myself with inspiration, education, empowerment, books, tapes, people, articles, staying focused. You see, beloved, is not just enough to be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and read the Bible for those of you that are saved. And even those of you that are not saved listening to this, you know that in order to be 100% successful at anything positive, you have to be 100% dedicated. Chance doesn't better anyone's situation. I'll repeat that. Chance doesn't better anyone's situation. Situations become better through positive change. Situations become better through positive change. So my question to you is, where are you today, my friend? What is troubling you? Where do you want to be, my friend, in life? And how do you plan to get there? And lastly, what steps are you taking to reach your positive goals? God bless you. This is Brother Ellis, better known as the Soaring Eagle, signing off. Bye-bye.